Hey, thanks for listening to the Shift Your Spirits podcast. I'm your host, Slade Robertson. For 11 years, I've been a professional intuitive and the author of the blog, Shift Your Spirits, where I try to write about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most New Age blather. I also mentor emerging intuitives, psychics, and healers in a program called Automatic Intuition. I have to be honest with you guys. I have a few solo episodes I want to record, but events this week have knocked my energy down. I am struggling to be productive. At the time I'm recording this, the first week of October 2017, the mass shooting has just occurred in Las Vegas, Nevada. What can I say? What can I possibly contribute? It feels like my best efforts would amount to a handful of glitter in a hurricane. I do feel pressure to offer something more than thoughts and prayers. I'm sure we all do. And I apologize for often responding to the tragic energy in the collective by saying nothing. Please don't take my silence for a lack of compassion or concern. I still have to get up every day and speak to individual people about their unique personal issues. Doing readings is essentially making my client's problem or issue my problem or issue. And it's the most important thing in the world for at least those few hours each day. So maybe I'm not apologizing. I'm not saying and doing nothing. I'm doing my work. One of my favorite tracks on the new Tori Amos album, Native Invader, is called Bang. She talks a lot both in the lyric content of this album and in her interviews supporting the release that we must outcreate as a response to those who destroy. The verse is, bang the world now traumatized by a cluster of hostile humans who side with their warlords of hate, so we must outcreate with the backbone of night to rehumanize. I love this song for so many reasons, but that line, we must outcreate, has become my mantra this past month. I don't want to cre- uh, contribute to divisiveness. I don't want to keep judging my friends and family members for being despicable, weak, inferior human beings. I don't want to keep fighting and arguing. Some moments I'm filled with rage, and then other moments I crash, and I'm like, someone please give me an alternate to rage. <laughs> I can't keep carrying this around. So I'm attempting to outcreate the hate and the trauma. I'm a storyteller. That's my work. I write each day, I'm speaking, I'm interviewing people, I'm teaching my mentoring students, and I'm giving readings one by one, person by person, because that's what I can do. We still have to feed our families and take care of those who rely on us. You have to do something. Do what you can. Do your job. At least while we process and try to form a more cohesive force or plan, hold the line maintain the light. So I thought today, rather than try to record something new, which I may only fail to produce the energy for, I would share something I've already recorded and make it about focusing inward, putting the thing I can do under the microscope. Readings. On this week's episode, I'm sharing my reading process, how I perform a reading, blow by blow, step by step. I hope you'll find it interesting or enlightening. And of course, as always, there's an oracle segment at the end of the show. So be thinking about a question or a concern you have. Hold it in your mind and I'll come back on after the final links and credits and leave you with that extra message. 
But before I forget, I'd like to take a moment to say thank you to my newest supporters on Patreon, Gloria Afanador, Carmen Rosado, and Andrea Toussaint. Forgive me if I just butchered the pronunciation of your surname. I appreciate all of you who pledge your support, and I'm really excited to see the new names each week. It demonstrates that you're enjoying this show and you want it to continue. That's very encouraging to me, so thank you. You too can support my time in producing this show by pledging on Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, listeners who support on Patreon can also access bonus Q&A episodes where you send in questions, I record answers to them, and they go out to patrons of the show exclusively. This week's episode on how I do a psychic reading was originally created for those of you who support the show on Patreon, so this will give me a bit of a break to regroup my energies and also allow you to hear what some of the bonus audio content is like. And just so you know, the exclusive episodes I record for the patrons are unscripted. They are more personal and often deeper in some way. They may come across as more rambling, so I apologize for that if it's annoying with all my ums and you knows and so's. I want these bonus episodes to feel special and authentic, as if you just received a really long, cool voicemail from me. So if you have a question you'd like me to answer, you can send me a message through the Patreon page at patreon.com slash shiftyourspirits, or you can also email me, contact at sladeroberson.com. Okay, here's the episode. A listener named Scott wrote into the show and said, I'd love to know about your personal process for doing readings. Do you have any prep work or rituals you do? A day in the life of a psychic kind of thing. First of all, thank you, Scott, for that question. I believe I wrote about this years ago, maybe a few years after I started blogging, and I also recorded or wrote a version of my process down for my automatic intuition mentoring students when I did their workbook in 2009. So obviously, my process may have changed some since then, and that's been you know, eight years or something since I really sat down and and looked at this step by step. So this is a good opportunity for me to share how I do this. And I hope it'll be interesting to everyone, those of you who get readings or are just curious about how it happens. But also my intention is to share this process for those of you who are also intuitives. Um, I'm very open about my process. I believe one of the things that's most helpful in helping you figure out how your intuition works and get some affirmation outside your own head, some feedback on how you experience it, is to simply go backstage and see how someone else does it and notice um, what version of those items or features or techniques you may have in your own sort of tool bag. And you start to become aware as someone else talks about and labels their process, uh, it makes you more aware of, of your own process and how it works. So I hope that you will find this both instructional if you do this yourself or just simply interesting if you're curious. Um, I start getting information as soon as someone emails me. I often have a situation where somebody will send me an inquiry first, meaning they kind of write in and generally uh, let me know that they're interested in speaking to me and, and give me some idea of what they're looking for. I don't do all kinds of readings, so I actually appreciate it if someone does write in and say, hey, I'm specifically looking for a medium 
or I'm looking for somebody who does past life readings or past life regressions. Those are two things that I actually do not do. So it's important for people to realize that all mediums are psychic, but not all psychics are mediums. So in the case that somebody sends me an inquiry wondering if I do a certain type of reading, if I do not do that type of reading, I have a huge network of peers and colleagues and mentoring clients. And there are tons of people that I work with who have skill sets that are different than mine. And I'm very happy to uh, play matchmaker and, and put people together. Sometimes I think I'm you know, meant to be the person that you stop and ask for directions. And I may not be your final destination, but sometimes we're just put in a position to pass someone on uh, one step closer to wherever it is that they're trying to get. So from the moment I first get email background, whether it's an inquiry or when someone purchases a reading from me, they get a set of instructions about kind of some basic information to send in to me. Things like birth data, if they want me to look at their astrological charts, which I do like to do. Um, some people send me pictures of themselves, which uh, I think is helpful. Um, so I always start a note in Evernote. Uh, with anyone that is a prospective client or someone that I know I'm going to be doing a reading for coming up soon. It can be a few days before the actual reading occurs. So from the time that someone purchases it and then uh, does the online scheduler, it could be you know a day and a half, it could be four days until we actually have that conversation. And from the moment of that initial inquiry or contact, I will start to get information for people. So I started a, a note in Evernote right away for any new client. And if impressions come in for them during the time between when I first talk to them and when I'm actually doing the reading, I go ahead and start jotting those down. Because for me, there's always an instantaneous flash when I get that first email even before I read it fully and digest it, sometimes there will be this just undercurrent of um, an emotion or a situation that will come through to me. And I like to capture that because I do believe that there's an element of speed with intuition. And what I mean by that is that first flash of awareness um, comes in very quickly. And it's almost the, the pure intuitive impulse the longer we go in, in, in terms of processing a piece of information, even in seconds, the um, thinking mind, the intellect, the logical part of the brain starts to come in and take over and compartmentalize it and put it in boxes, take it apart, all that kind of stuff. So I like to capture as much as possible that first flash of whatever it might be. Um, sometimes, you know, a couple of days in as I'm waiting to speak to someone, I will be doing any normal activity, unloading the dishwasher, driving, something like that, and I will get sort of a flash of information, oh, tell so-and-so when you speak to her, blah, blah, blah. And so I also record any of those impressions that come through in the in-between. Now, my lack of rituals might actually disappoint you. Um, it, maybe it will encourage you a little bit that there isn't necessarily a lot of magic spells involved for me. Um, it's about, for me, getting out of your own way. 
the intellectual mind, like I said, will come in and start to digest and, and rip apart information and, and start putting labels on it pretty quickly. So I think the less that I think, the better. And the more that I can kind of capture that intuitive flash, that speed at which the intuit, uh, intuition comes in, the better and the clearer it's going to be. So for me, it's not about getting in the mood so much as it's about the process of having enough structure in place and enough habits in place that it allows for all the tools to work to capture the um, the speed at which the information comes in and then also have a way of capturing it as it starts to roll in kind of layer by layer. So for me, the idea of ritual is more about place and time and repetition. There is a certain time of day that I prefer to do readings and that is kind of the late morning time. Um, there is a certain chair that I always sit in. I am usually in my study, so it's the same environment. I don't stray outside the time of day or the space in which it happens very often. I also prefer to do readings over the phone and to only hear the voice. Uh, even if we do an international call over Skype, I don't want to see you as I'm trying to tune in uh, psychically because there's so much nonverbal information that comes in. Um, there is nonverbal cues, judgments that you make about the way someone's dressed, what kind of jewelry they're wearing. You may notice um, nervous tics or body language. All of these things can inform you about what's going on with someone, but that is not intuition. Uh, that's something else. It's actually a, a different kind of communication, and it can pass itself off as intuition if you don't sort of separate it out. So for me... Even when somebody is local and they want to do a reading in person, I've tried all these different ways. And I can tell you that the in-person is even more overwhelming than the visual because you also have the energy of, um, of being in the same room with the person. There could be other people around, you know, if, if they want to meet, say, in a cafe or something like that. I've done a lot of different um attempts at, at this different process. I've gone to people's houses, had people come to my house. Uh, there can be some weirdness involved in going to people's homes or having strangers come into your home. So that's its own set of interference that I don't necessarily want to be involved. Long story short, think about how when you're trying to concentrate on a piece of music that you're listening to, you close your eyes so that you can sort of concentrate more deeply on what you're hearing and tune out all the other senses. So that's why I prefer to only have the voice in my ear of the person that I'm speaking with. It's just enough for me to tune in, to experience them on a lot of levels, emotionally, to, to kind of feel that connection without having distractions. So the morning of the actual reading itself, meaning the, the day and time that I've given you on, on my schedule, um, usually the morning time is the time of day when I 
do my public interaction. It's it's the best part of my personality. It's the the part of me that is more chatty and likely to want to talk on the phone and engage. That changes throughout the day for me. Um, by the afternoon, I am becoming a little bit less likely to want to talk. And after supper, I'm completely not able to function at the same level. I do make exceptions when we have somebody in a different time zone. Those of you in Australia often require either myself or you to kind of be up extremely early or stay up late. That kind of situation does happen. And of course, I can rise to that occasion, but it's not ideal. So I usually sit down with a cup of coffee in my study. And that morning of the email, let's say about 30 to 45 minutes before I'm going to be speaking to the client on the phone, that's when I really read the background email that they sent me or any questions that they might have. And I ask my guides to connect to their guides, to the records, to the client's guides, any source of information. I don't really overly specify who the information is coming from or how it's coming in. I think that is an interesting conversation for other intuitives to compare notes and process. But um, I generally think when you overly specify that you want to talk to someone's guides, um, for instance, then you are also kind of excluding any other piece of information that might come in that's not related to their spirit guides. Maybe there's some other kind of entity around, or maybe you're just claircognizantly receiving information and you're not really sure where it's coming from, but it can still be accurate. So I personally don't get really caught up in who I'm talking to, where it's coming from. I just say, hey, connect me. Um, I begin channeling notes pretty quickly. Um, the notes start out; they look a bit like a laundry list or, a, you know, a grocery store list. It's just kind of like a word or two uh, jotted down for each line. And as I go, as I'm getting more and more of these notes, they they start to sort of become sentences, and then they start to become paragraphs. And pretty soon, depending on the information that I'm getting. Um, it, it's kind of flowing into what most people would consider an automatic writing session. So whenever I run out on that thought or whenever I sort of come to a breath or, or come to a pause in the information, at that point I will often stop and look at someone's astrological chart. Uh, I think of divination tools, whether it's oracle cards, if you're someone who likes tarot, if you're using pendulum, if you're using any other kind of uh, oracle deck, um, and also for me, astrology, these are all external divination tools. And I believe that they're most useful at the end of a reading or after you've sort of brought in the raw information. So I treat someone's astrological chart kind of like checking my answers in the back of the book. You know, when you do those workbooks when you're a kid in school and, and you fill in the blanks and then you can kind of check and see if you got it right. Um, so there's a few things that I'm looking for when I look at someone's astrological chart. I refer to it, my shorthand for it is the natal trinity, and that's the sun, the moon, and the ascendant. And that gives me just enough of the sacred elements to kind of know 
what I'm dealing with or what I'm working with. So for instance, to give you an example, if I've been channeling and kind of automatic writing a bunch of stuff about analysis paralysis and and decision making and and I'm picking up on a lot of fear and overwhelm and overthinking, um, I'll go and look at someone's astrological chart kind of thinking I must be dealing with someone who has a lot of air in their chart. And then, for example, I look at the sun, the moon, the rising sign, and I see, wow, you know, all three of those are uh, in air. So this is definitely someone who is more likely to um, deal with anxiety and with kind of overactive imagination and uh, you know, ego-based fear, a lot of different things that, that creep up along with those elements. So for instance, the air element is about thought and information and the intellect. So um, the true node or the north node is also something that I look at that typically gives me a little bit of uh, a glimpse into some purpose information. Um, I also might look at forecast transits, meaning are there sort of windows of opportunity uh, coming up for someone? Is someone in the middle of uh, a transit? Like are they, have they been going through something that's lasting all year and they're kind of halfway through it or smack in the middle of it? Um, I think that one of the things about astrology as a tool around time frames is it can be very useful uh, for that kind of predictive element that people often want to know when they ask readings. A lot of times people frame questions with, you know, is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? And so I do get a sense around that. uh, But the Astrological information also gives me some additional information that I can pass on to the client after the reading for them to have going forward that they can set their mind around. I think, you know, it can be very helpful just to be able to have a piece of paper that says, you know, you've been struggling with this issue for four months and you've got, you know, six weeks of it left. That can be enough to sort of reset someone's hope and their, um, ability to withstand or to maintain uh, something that they're dealing with for just a little bit longer. So at this point, I glance at the chart, you know, looking for a few pieces of information that might corroborate what I'm writing and picking up on. And at this point, I'm typing as fast as I'm thinking, right? Um, My lists have fully become paragraphs and I'll get a little message from my phone saying it's time for you to call this person in five minutes and by the time I actually call the client I'm already talking to her in my head like I've been talking to her for the last half an hour and so the phone conversation when I jump on tends to be kind of like an extension of of what's already happening for me personally and for those of you who for instance listen to the podcast and are very familiar with my voice and ride around your car listening to me talk to you, when you hear me on the phone, you also feel like it is, uh, there's a familiarity there. It feels like you're talking to someone that you already know. And that's um, an energy that I really want to have on the call. And the reason why I don't just type up this information and send it on is because there's something that happens in a live conversation that uh, is its own magic 
there's a lot of back and forth that can be covered. It's a lot easier for you to ask uh, additional information, to give feedback around any hits that I'm getting, to let me know where to drill deeper. Uh, so there is one little bit of a ritual that I do do, and that's when the phone is ringing, I say, make me a vessel. That's a reminder for me that what I'm doing is not about my performance as much as it's about my acting in service to this other person. Their question and their concern at that point in my life is my question and concern. And part of what someone is asking me to do is to make their issues and concerns the most important thing in the world for that moment. So the cool thing is that even if you're sick or you have a cold or you're kind of tired or you've had a bad day or you fear that you're not going to be up to it, there's something about reminding yourself that you're just a vessel and that you're just bringing something through. It allows the universe to rise up to meet you. It's it's hard to describe, but even at those moments when I really think, oh, I'm not fully functioning at a hundred percent here. Um, I, I don't feel well or I'm tired. What if it impacts my information or my ability to bring through? Um, the weird thing is, is I will often get off the call and realize, Oh wow. For the time that I was speaking with that person, I felt 100% fine. It's like the universe gave me this intravenous Z pack that just totally healed me in that moment. I also find if the client is nervous when they first get on the phone, um, that is kind of a normal response. People have excitement and, and, and nerves or anxiety can kind of feel the same in the body. And so I will take a few moments to let the person know what to expect on the call Uh, ask them if they've ever had readings before, kind of set their expectations for what's going to happen and put them at ease a little bit that I'm not in a trance. There's nothing weird going on. I do become a bit hyper communicative. I feel like I'm getting a little bit breathless even as I'm talking about this process. There is a sense in me of trying to chase this information and pass it on as quickly as possible. So I do let everybody know up front that um, I'm going to be talking really fast. And I also let them know that they don't need to try to write down everything that I'm saying. Uh, I send the notes that I that I do for the reading in my follow-up. I make my raw notes available to the client, the astrological information. And if you are interested in having a recording that's something you can let me know before we actually arrange them the the call itself and we can do it via Skype because I have plugins on my Skype that I use to record interviews for this podcast all of my conversations are automatically recorded so I can hook you up with an mp3 of the conversation if you'd like to do a recording the the bottom line is I don't want you to feel like there's a clock running and you've got to write down everything that I say or you're going to miss it and this is your you know window of opportunity. I want it to feel a little bit more like a conversation, like you're talking to somebody that you feel that you're friends with and that you can confide in and the type of person that you can kind of tell anything to. 
I also take that time at the beginning of the call for the client to orient me and, you know, kind of ask her what brings you here to this moment at this time. And it's, it's a, not because I don't already know maybe what they've written me in the email. They may be retelling me some of that information. What I'm really looking for there is a chance for, for her to project her own energy and let me tune in a little bit. I start to get a whole new layer of stuff, uh, details that come along when I connect with someone's voice and I'm listening to them. And also when someone talks to you, they actually uh, let down a lot of their walls. And, and when, when their f- f- mind is focused on projecting their information to you, um, it allows them to kind of psychically open up to you as well. So I always uh, make an opportunity for the client to talk to me a little bit about what's going on with her just for that purpose. Um, and again, I, like I said, I don't do video. I don't do in person. This is all just happening in vo- uh, voice. I always have these grand intentions that my notes are going to serve as some kind of structure uh, for the call. And what usually happens is I'm already on a roll in my mind and I forget to even look at my notes and we're well into the call. And then I remember, oh yeah, I have all these notes. And I start checking them and scrolling through, and what usually happens is I realize that most of what I wanted to talk about came through in its own kind of organic way. So I either hear information or I see the client as if I'm watching security camera footage with no sound on, which is a really bizarre thing because... I'm always thinking, why can't I have the sound and the video together? You know, that would be extremely helpful. But for some reason, it's kind of like bits and pieces, one or the other. It's either a visual thing with no sound or it's a a, a glimpse of a, a, a moment of a voice or a snatch of a sentence or a word or a name or something like that without necessarily any visual information going along with it. So I am trying to kind of... Uh, synthesize this, but I don't worry so much about what's clairvoyance versus clairaudience. A lot of what I get once we start talking live in the moment is probably pure claircognizance anyway. It's kind of straight downloads of information. You ask me a question and, and the answer is just there and I'm chasing it. Uh, I'm trying to tell it to you as fast as I'm finding it in my brain. And one of the reasons I'm so hyper when I do this, it's like, you know, when you have that sensation of having a word on the tip of your tongue and you can't think of it, but you can think of five other words that are close. So when that happens to you, it usually only happens for, you know, 30 seconds or something like that. But Doing a reading for me feels like sustaining that feeling for a half an hour or an hour. It's like a whole big chunk of time where everything that I'm saying feels like it's just on the heels of the perfect thing that I want to say. And I'm running after it as fast as possible, trying to chase it down and pin it down. And that's the reason I think why I start to talk so fast. Um... At some point, I have to take a breath, and I'll kind of run out of steam a little bit, and um, I'll take a moment and check in with the client and just say, you know, okay, so how is all this resonating with you? How is it 
that's sticking. Give me some feedback. Where are you wanting to hear more? Um, let me know anything specific that uh, was meaningful to you. And often the client has the details that are meaningful. Uh, I don't necessarily know when I'm saying something that it's meaningful until I hear back from them, oh, you know, when you were talking about such and such, it's interesting that you mentioned horses because when I was a kid, you know, I was really into horses. And it may feel to me in the moment that I'm talking about it like it's just a random detail. And then I hear from you that there's a whole story that goes along with that detail and that there was a reason why my brain pulled that as an example. So... I kind of allow that to just come through and not overthink it. I trust the process. I've heard enough times that um, something that I didn't think was particularly important is really important that I don't police my thoughts or try to edit them in the moment. I just open my mouth and say as much as I possibly can and trust that there's a lot of detail in there that is meaningful and that you can tell me some of what the meaningful stuff is and then that can reorient my focus and I often will, uh, with your input, start to connect some dots and say, oh, okay, well that makes sense then why this other thing is the way it is. And so... There is a little bit of a back and forth where the client is participating in synthesizing the meaning or the pattern that is emerging. That is my main goal is to look for a pattern or a thread, something that's running through everything else that simplifies it because most people will experience um multiple problems in different areas of their life or they'll have an issue over here with their relationship and then an issue in their job uh, sector and then this other thing going on with their health and they see them as being very compartmentalized in different boxes but one of the things that I'm looking for and listening for is oh that's actually the same energy and it's coming up or manifesting in these different areas in these specific ways but there is a common denominator so one of the things that I love to do more than anything in a reading and I think I'm good at this I, I feel like it's my strength is taking a kind of cloud of overwhelm and breaking it down into an obvious recognizable pattern and then devising a really simple set of actions to take in order um, when you feel like something heavy is going on and, and you're kind of you probably know a lot of of the different things that you might do about it or that you could do at different stages of solving it but sometimes it's overwhelming to know which thing to reach for first so that's one of the things that I want to do is not only um, find the overall theme of what's going on but then to also kind of lay those bricks down in order so that you know focus on this first then when you get this piece of the puzzle then bring this in um, I find that most people when given a plan to execute it alleviates a lot of anxiety 
At some point in the later part of the conversation, once that plan starts to emerge, I usually will start to feel the client's energy shift. People come in excited and anxious and worried and timid, and there's always a point sort of near the end of the reading where I feel them light up a little bit. They just start to expand again. They start to um, move their energy starts to become activated. And at that point, when I start to sense that, I will say, how do you feel right now? And the one thing that I hear more often than anything else is that they feel some sense of hopefulness or I feel more capable now or I, you know, I feel like, okay, yes, I can go back in um, and attack this again from a different angle. Um, and that's my cue really that the, that the work is done and the reading's over. So I feel like if I can take you from stressed and frightened and shift you into hopeful and re-energized, then I consider that a successful session. That's what I want to happen. I feel very much invested in my client's experience at this point and how this stuff is going to play out. And, you know, some of the things that are going to manifest and some of the things that are going to happen as you execute my plan or take my advice and go out and run with it, it's going to be happening into the near future. And so there's a part of me that wants to know what happens. It's like watching the, you know, first 20 minutes of a movie and and then having to turn it off. So I always encourage everyone to send me emails uh, along the way and let me know as as those details do start to emerge. Sometimes things that come up in the reading might not even make a lot of sense until down the road and I'll get an email from someone saying, oh my God, remember when you told me such and such? Well, guess what happened? And It's very satisfying for me because it's an affirmation of the information that I was getting, which can sometimes be a little vague, or maybe it's not even vague. Maybe it just seems weird or eccentric, and I'm thinking, how could that have anything to do with anything? So when you write me back and tell me, remember when we talked about this, this is how it it showed up in my life, that helps me. It's not really that it helps me get better. It keeps me trusting the information that I'm getting and it allows me to go nope not overthinking it I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing again my goal is to be as open and as fast and as unedited and un overanalyzed as possible and so when you write me back with that kind of feedback and let me know that supports that process and it keeps me in that space of of just okay I'm doing something right I'm not going to mess it up by overanalyzing it or thinking about it or talking myself out of anything I love getting those emails by the way I mean months later learning you know the exact forms of of how this stuff comes together is very cool and it, it's super rewarding so I do feel uh every client and every reading is a friendship or a heart-to-heart conversation with someone that I care about and I really do want to know what happens and I love the clients that I get to talk to um, on an ongoing basis or that I get to talk to maybe once a year those relationships are super cool and very special the main thing is I want to leave a client with the tools to work on this on her own 
Uh, I leave you with things to research on your own. I expect that the reading will play out over the course of, you know, three months or six months. I'm setting you up for a long period. I don't want you to be in a position where you feel like you have to call me once a week to um, get advice on what your next step should be. I want you to be empowered with the tools and the oversight to manage the unfolding of this going forward for a, you know a decent period of time I, I ideally like for whatever it was that we focused the reading on for you to continue on and to solve that or live through it or experience it and get whatever information and lessons and change you were supposed to get from it so that you know the next time you speak to me that we tackle the next thing in your world. That it's not that we keep rehashing the same thing, but that you were able to make such a use of the reading that you trust the process of how valuable it is to be able to do that. And, you know, it's a joy for me to see someone take my advice and run with it and execute it. And I love it when someone comes back and says, I've got another thing. Let's do this, you know? So, uh, I follow up the call with my own notes. Um, if there's anything that I wrote down before the call, I include that. Sometimes in the process of having a conversation, something will come up, a recommended website, the name of a book, you know, any kind of detail like that uh, that I jot down, I, I send it on. I also include those astrological transits, time frames for the upcoming year. If there is a relationship involved and I have the birth data for both people, I can also run a composite chart uh, to analyze the dynamics between two people who are either going into business together or a relationship or something like that. So uh, it's it's a packet of information. It's, it's a syllabus of stuff for you to uh, complete and execute and explore during that upcoming period of your life. And uh, I think it's um, the coolest job that I've ever had. And it's really weird to think about how I had so many jobs in my life that felt like tangents and they felt like random uh, dead-end things that now I look at and I realize they're all individual tools that I was putting together that allow me to do this. And so... I've been doing this now at the time of this recording for 11 and a half, almost 12 years. Uh, it's something that I can see myself doing for the rest of my life. Anyway, uh, if you're interested in learning how to do this yourself, it's not about me teaching you how to do exactly what I do. You have a process and you have an ability uh, that is entirely your own. And so if I do mentoring or training with you around this, part of what I'm teaching you to do is discover your own practice, your own way of doing this. What is your version of this look like? And for those of you who are intrigued by the way I do this and would like for all my random examples in this uh, little speech to be actual things about you and your life and the issues that you're taking on, I'd love to speak with you. So go to SladeRoberson.com and check out the readings page and get in touch with me. And I hope you found this helpful. Thanks again for listening to the Shift Your Spirits podcast. 
For show notes, links, transcripts, and all the past episodes, please visit shiftyourspirits.com. You can subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or whatever app you use to access podcasts. If you'd like to get an intuitive reading with me or download a free ebook and meditation to help you connect with your guides, please go to sladeroberson.com. And if you're interested in my professional intuitive training program, you can start the course for free by downloading the attunement at automaticintuition.com. Before I go, I promise to leave you a message in answer to a question or concern you may have. I think this week the message is a question, a contemplation. How can you outcreate the hate? How can you personally hold the line maintain the light. It's not a grand, heroic act I'm asking you to perform. Maybe it is on some level. What job do you have to do? Who can you make smile? Go do that and accept it for the humble, tiny flame it is, but also recognize how strong the blaze can be when all those little lights come together as one. And I'll talk to you later.